the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar. Book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Tuesday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Short show tonight. We're up until 610. Then it's Red Sox baseball, Sox and Blue Jays, and what is a must-win series? It's really like a must-sweep series for the Red Sox. At this point, the Red Sox are six games out of the final wild card spot. They're six games behind Toronto. And really, they're pretty much seven games behind Toronto. The reason why is because there is no tiebreaker this year at the end of the year. There is no game 163. It's just your head-to-head record. So, Red Sox have already lost the season series to the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays had the tiebreaker. So finishing tied with them does you no good. You need to finish ahead of them. So essentially, you are seven games behind Toronto. Red Sox are likely to lose the series against Tampa for the year, so they're going to be behind them. Red Sox did win the season series against Seattle, so they really are six games behind them. But uh, it's a must-win series. It really is a must-sweep series. We've got it for you beginning tonight. It's Josh Winkowski against Ross Stripling. Jackie Bradley Jr. back in town now playing for Toronto. So uh, our coverage, 6-10, first pitch, 7-10. We'll talk a little bit about the Patriots, a little bit on the Kevin Durant stuff as that finally comes to an end. And we are going to start off with the Red Sox here in just a moment. Five, four, three, two. One. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. You can also get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026 at your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. I've been thinking a lot about this. I continue to think a lot about the Red Sox and their future. And I have determined this. The Red Sox future comes down to one word. Trust. That's it. The Red Sox future comes down to trust. That is all. I trust High and Bloom and I trust Red Sox ownership more than you do. That's it, right? I have fought with everybody about high and bloom and about how much money they're going to spend and about the plan that you think they can or won't execute. It all comes down to trust. I have it. A lot of you don't. And it was all crystallized for me last night when once again, I was listening to John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston Talk about the Red Sox. Yeah, I think you're going to be worse next year. And I guess that reflects a lack of trust in this front office to go what do what needs to be done. I'm, I'm still not convinced that forget about identifying the right players and, and saying you're willing to extend yourself for free agents. I'm not convinced that they will be able to outbid anyone for anyone good because I think their idea of value and the market's idea of value are just too far apart. And yes, they went and got Trevor Story this winter, but it was after 
like a dozen other shortstops signed and he kind of had nowhere else to go. Look, that's Tomasi. That cut was 33 seconds long. 33 seconds of commentary there from John Tomasi. I could lop it down to 10. Yeah, I think you're going to be worse next year. And I guess that reflects a lack of trust in this front office. I didn't even need 10. It was like five. Reflects a lack of trust. It's all about trust. That is it. How much do you trust Ty and Bloom? How much do you trust Red Sox management? Because I do trust them. I feel like I have seen this movie before, and I think I know how it ends. A team decides that it's going to go through a change, and that change can be painful. But that change can also open up a lot of opportunities, big opportunities. And that's where the Red Sox are, and I trust them to capitalize. Look, outside of Trevor's story, the Red Sox have largely sat out. They've sat idly from the free agent market, from the big free agent market. They didn't go get in on Marcus Simeon. They weren't in on Corey Seager. They weren't in on Carlos Correa. They didn't get in on Justin Verlander or Saya Suzuki. That's a deviation from what the Red Sox usually do. It's a big-time deviation. But as a result... The Red Sox are going to be flush with cash this offseason. Listen to the numbers I'm about to give you. J.D. Martinez is gone, right? He's a free agent. That frees up $19 million. Kike Hernandez being gone frees up $8 million. That's $27 million total. Nathan Evaldi being gone is $17 million. Now we're up to $44 million free. Christian Vasquez... Rich Hill, Michael Waka, Matt Strom, that's over $20 million more free. So now we're at $64 million. Kevin Plowecki being gone, that's $66 million. You're no longer going to pay David Price. That's $16 more million, getting us up to $82 million free. Then Xander Bogarts, who's, who you know, is going to opt out, that's $20 million free. Now we're at $102 million and while very unlikely, it is possible, it's unlikely, Chris Sale could opt out too, which would free up another $27 million. The Red Sox are going to have between $102 and $129 million free just next year. Think about that. Between 102 and 129 million dollars free. I trust that the Red Sox will reinvest in this team. They just have to, and I just have to believe it. I am usually not a drink the Kool Aid guy. I am usually look at something skeptical guy. I am usually hard on the Red Sox. In this case, I just can't be. I believe the fan pressure is loud enough. The noise is loud enough for John Henry to hear it. I have to believe the desire to not be in last place and to get back to a World Series is strong enough. The Red Sox have always spent, but they've usually spent the kind of trickling one year at a time. In this case, they saved up all their pennies in the piggy bank for one offseason, and I am okay with that. John Tomasi and all these people paint a doomsday scenario for the Red Sox. 102 to $129 million is free. 
you can do an awful lot for your baseball team with 102 to 129 million dollars. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Carlos Rodon, Trey Turner, Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Judge, Jose Abreu, Araldis Chapman, Michael Brantley, Kenley Jansen, Dansby Swanson, Edwin Diaz, Sean Manaya, Wilson Contreras, Andrew Benintendi, Chris Bassett, Tyler Anderson, Trey Mancini, Corey Kluber, Mitch Haniger, Brandon Nimmo, Jamison Tyone. Those are just some of the free agents available next offseason, in addition to your own free agents. You're telling me that with at minimum $102 million and at maximum $130, you're telling me the Red Sox can't sign three or four of those guys? Heck, they could resign Xander Bogarts at the $24 million I want them to resign him to and still have $75 million left to play with to go get three or four of those guys. That would make them instantly better. I believe and I trust that that can happen. So, no, look, the Red Sox are not an overnight fix. They are not a perfect organization, and I don't advocate for spending your way out of trouble usually. But the Red Sox have built the farm system that is at least adequate now, and they've got the financial flexibility that they can turn this around in one year. They absolutely can. And anyone telling you that they can't just isn't looking hard enough. The Mets went out in one off season. Okay. The Mets have made the playoffs in a handful of years in one off season. Max Scherzer, Mark Canna, Starling Marte trade for Chris Bassett, pair him with Lindor and DeGrom, one of the best teams in baseball. The Mets did it in one off season. If you don't want to just talk about the Mets, go look at my Mariners, who have stunk forever. Use their farm system in the offseason to trade for Adam Frazier and Jesse Winker and A. Eugenio Suarez. Real professional players. Not the 21-year-old kids. Not the replacement-level players. They use the farm system again to acquire... Luis Castillo at the deadline. They used their financial flexibility to sign Robbie Ray in the offseason. If my Mariners can do it, the Red Sox can do it. The White Sox had seven consecutive losing seasons, and in one offseason, they were in the playoffs the next year. And last year, they won 93 games. It can happen quickly. When you have employed the strategy the Red Sox have, it can happen quickly. Build up the farm system, stay committed to it, stay disciplined to it, cultivate that. The Red Sox now have a top 15 system in baseball. I saw them as high as 11 in one publication. I saw them at 13 in another. They've got three top 50 prospects in baseball right now. So the farm system is better. They've got real guys that can impact it, that can play for them. They've got guys they can trade away to go and fulfill some of their needs. Build the farm system and get the financial flexibility. They've been saving their allowance. Rather than some of you, do kids even get allowances anymore? But some of your parents there, they probably give allowances, right? You give your kid two bucks for the week. And a lot of your kids probably spend it all in that week. Right? Maybe it's five with inflation is five bucks, right? You give them five bucks, they go and spend it instantly. They get an ice cream cone, they get this, they get a, a gumball from the store, and it's gone. 
But one of those kids out there takes the $5 this week and the $5 that week and the $5 that week and the $5 that week, and he's got $20 at the end of the month. And by the end of the year, he's got over $200, and he goes and buys one thing that's really cool. That's what the Red Sox have done. They have saved it all for this offseason. I trust that Haim Bloom and John Henry and Sam Kennedy are going to do the right thing with all of what they have done. Not at, on the micro level, not everything the Red Sox have done has worked. They should have, in my mind, sold at the deadline. They could have gotten in and gotten better players in the offseason. All of that's true. But on the macro, this is the plan that's unfolding before, before your eyes. And it's a real plan. I told you at the deadline, the Red Sox look directionless. Well, right now, I see the direction. The farm system is better. The players can help. You can trade away others. And you've got between $102 and $129 million to spend. You can re-sign Bogarts and have $75 million left to play with. You could re-sign Devers and let Bogarts walk and have 80, you know, have $65, $70 million to play with. The opportunities are endless. The Padres, nine years in a row, losing season. Boom, turn it around. White Sox, seven years in a row, losing season. Boom, turn it around. Mariners haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. They build the farm system and tear it down and give this guy away and trade that guy, get financial flexibility, and boom, they are right now, as the as sitting here today, in the playoffs. This, this is a real plan. So, I, no, I don't think it is as doomsday as John Tomasi makes it out to be. How do you feel? 802-585-3026. Tech says if the Red Sox go cheap this offseason, then maybe they're not the big market enterprise everyone believes they are, and maybe John Henry ought to consider selling the team. I would agree with that. I have put the pressure on High and Bloom for this offseason. This is the moment of truth. I've defended High and Bloom. I've taken the arrows. We had a promo that said I was the president of the High and Bloom fan club. I, I have defended him enough. This offseason is where the bill comes due. I trust that it's going to be done correctly. Do the Red Sox need to spend every inch of the $102 million? No, but they need to spend 95 of it. They need to spend, they need to spend big. They need to spend big and or spend often. Look, Mitch Haniger plays for my Mariners. He's going to be 32 years old. Excellent player, bit of an injury history. Hit 39 home runs last year and drove in 100. I think he could sign a three-year $40 million deal. $13 million a year. He would look great in the Red Sox outfield. Andrew Benatendi, free agent. You want to bring him home? You can. You can get Hanager and Benatendi and instantly make your outfield better with Alex Verdugo. All of these options are on the table. You could let Bogarts walk, which I'm not a fan of, but you could do it. You could bring in Dansby Swanson. You could sign Aaron Judge, if you want to, to a $40 million a year deal and put him in the outfield and still have a ton of money left to go accomplish other things. I trust that those kind of scenarios are on the table. 
if we go into next year and the Red Sox have 102 million dollars to spend and they spend seven, they spend 62 of it, that will have been a failure, and I will crush them endlessly for it. And I will call for Hyam Bloom's job on a stake myself. I've defended him, and it's set up this offseason of opportunity. John Tomasi thinks the Red Sox are a sinking ship. In 2022, they are. Their season is over. But their future is just beginning. And you've got to believe that because I believe it. You have to trust. And if we trust, and if that trust is not rewarded, I will go to Boston with you and call for their jobs. But I've seen this movie before. I've seen it with the White Sox. I've seen it with the Cubs who built for years, built the farm. Right, the Cubs, they built Chris Bryant and Starlin Castro and uh, Wilson Contreras and, um, oh, who else? And, and Javi Baez. Like, all these guys that helped the Cubs win the World Series. I think Castro was gone at the time. But, like, the farm system that helped the Cubs win the World Series. And then what happened? They signed John Lester. They spent big on him. They then went and they traded for Eraldis Chapman. This is what teams do. Build the farm system, stay committed to it, get financial flexibility, and then make your move. And then strike. The Red Sox have that chance. And I trust that they're going to take it. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Dot com. Scott in South Heroes says Judge is not going to sign a one-year contract. Whoever said that? I said if they want to give him $40 million a year, they can. Not for one year. They've got $102 million coming off the books next year. If they want to give Aaron Judge an eight-year, you know, what's eight times 40? I don't know. But that eight, if they want to give him eight for 320, they can. If they want to give him 10 for 375, they can afford it. They have the money to do that. The opportunities are endless. No one said anything about a one-year contract, Scott. He's going to want he's going to want 8 to 12 years. I would not give Aaron Judge 12 years and 400 million at the age of 30, but they could do it if they wanted to and they'd be better for a handful of years until he broke down. The opportunities are endless and that's the point. The opportunities right now are evidently not endless. For the Patriots offense, the uh, report card on the Pats continues to not be good. We'll tell you the latest from Vegas. That's next in the Brady Farkas Show on DEB. Now at 802-585-3026. This is former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson. And now we're back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and WDEV Radio.com. Thank you, Keyshawn. Brady Farkas show back at it here on Vermont's news station, WDEV AM and FM, WDEV Radio.com. Red Sox baseball less than 20 minutes from now. Sox take it on the Blue Jays. First game of the series at Fenway. Multiple texts came in, even took a call in the break there. People all saying they agree with me, actually, that uh, all hope is not lost. For the Red Sox. That's good to hear. And someone says with news that the Angels might be getting sold, how can the Red Sox get Shohei Otani? Well, they could empty the farm system for Shohei, and I'd probably be okay with that. They also would have they could also just wait for him to hit free agency and try to pay him 
$700 million. So it's going to be very interesting what Shohei Otani gets on the open market someday. It's going to be absolutely insane. Um, let's talk about the Patriots here because we have more info coming out. The reports of the Patriots offense from training camp continue to not be good. Joint practices against the Raiders in Vegas. Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald said it was the worst practice yet of the summer for the offense. He had Mac Jones going 7 of 17 against the Raiders. Had him throwing a pick. Did say that there was a bit of a rebound at the very end. So after the 7 of 17, the very end of the session, there was a strong close. But regardless, we are officially at the point where we can be nervous. We can officially be nervous about what we're hearing about the Patriots offense. We don't all have to jump ship. This does not mean the Pats are destined for 3-14. and 14, But we are at the point of the offseason where we can take full stock of what's going on and think that it matters. Three weeks ago when the Patriots were struggling, eh, no big deal. Plenty of time left. A couple of preseason games. We'll figure it out. Long way until the season. No, no, no. This is now the final week of joint practices. This is the final preseason game. This is the last tune-up. You've been at this for a month. There need to be real signs of improvement. And they're not there right now. We always hear cliche things in preseason like, oh, we just need to get 1% better every day. Well, right now the Patriots offense evidently is not getting better at all. In fact, they're making the opposite of progress. It is imperative that the Patriots offense start making some gains because we are two and a half weeks away from opening day in Miami, September 11th. It's an improved Dolphins team that is a divisional opponent that you need to beat. The Patriots have a hard schedule this year. I don't know if you've noticed that. There is not time for them to kind of stub their toe through the first month of the season and just try to turn it on. No, you need to win early. This schedule is not built for you to stub your toe and turn it on at Thanksgiving. Not not this year. You got Miami in week one. You need to win that game. You got Pittsburgh in week two with either Mitch Trubisky or a rookie quarterback. You need to win that game. And you got the Lions in week five. You need to win that game. The Pats need to be three and two in their first five games. Right? They got the Ravens and Green Bay in there also. They're going to lose both of those. So you need to beat Miami. You need to beat Detroit. And you need to beat Pittsburgh. You got to start off strong week one. There is no time for this. Ah, it's a new offense. We'll figure it out. We'll be good in week six. Uh, uh, uh. Because if you come out and go one and five, the season's over. Right? And then we're instantly in the middle of October. We're talking about high and bloom again, figuring out Red Sox offseason moves. And I don't want that just like I don't think you want that. I want a season where we're talking football all the way through. Pat's offense has got to get its act together. You cannot just start slow and figure it out. This, We're not at the point for you to sell all your Patriot stock, but you absolutely have license to be concerned. You have license to be aware of what's going on. Patriots are in Vegas, and I'm, I heard report seven run plays, six of them were stuffed at the line of scrimmage or were a loss. You, mean, you, can't, you can't have that, right? You can't have that. The Patriots are not good enough defensively to carry the load for this team. The, pa- the Patriots need to be able to score. We've, we've said the Patriots' offense is going to be their best unit. 
It needs to be their best unit. And if they can't get out of their own way, look, on, on Friday night against the Panthers, starting offense went three and out, three and out, and then they scored. But they were headed for three and out again until it passed to, uh, to Devontae Parker and then I think another one to, to, to Ty Montgomery. Like Friday night was a very uneven performance by the first-team offense. This, what we're hearing is not good. It doesn't end the season, but it's absolutely an issue right now. Texter says, you might remember, I was freaked out for Patriots Nation when Belichick hired Patricia and Matt and uh, Joe Judge to run the offense. At the time, it kind of stunk of paranoid old guy who doesn't trust anyone who didn't work for him. The fact that Kraft or anyone didn't pound the table for Bill to hire a seasoned offensive coaching staff is going to have repercussions also. I can't argue with any of that. Something here is not working right now. And Bill Belichick put the target on his back yesterday. He said he's in charge of everything. He said the buck stops with him. So basically he's telling us not to blame Patricia, not to blame Judge. He's telling us to come after him. So that's what I'm going to do at some point. If Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are not qualified to coach this offense, then it's on Bill Belichick for putting them in place. There's still time, but that time is fleeting. September 11th is the kickoff. That is week one for you. You you need to come out and hit the ground running. You need to play well. And you can't play well if all you're doing is getting your butt kicked by everybody you come in contact with. Got to figure it out. It's Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. We'll get the national news update from CBS News, and then we will get into one more Patriots-related thing here before I give you the Red Sox lineups. Remember the log jam at wide receiver we thought the Patriots had when it came to numbers and who was going to make the team? Well, that log jam is quickly settling itself out. As far as I can tell, there's only one question left the Patriots need to ask themselves in the wide receiver room. I'll tell you what that one question is. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox lineups will come your way in about four minutes. We'll get the pregame show here in about five minutes on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Patriots wide receiver room is sorting itself out in a big way. And for me, it all comes down to one question now. Do the Patriots want to take five wide receivers or six wide receivers? That is the only thing left to determine. We spent all this time this offseason talking about the numbers in the wide receiver room and how everybody can play despite not being a big name. I really wondered who was going to make this roster. Well, again, final piece of the puzzle. Do you want to keep five or six wideouts? Because let's examine this one last time. Devontae Parker is a lock. Jacoby Myers is a lock. Nelson Aguilar is two, and so is Kendrick Bourne. As of now, I wouldn't trade any of those players, so I'm assuming they're around. So those four are locks. Tyquan Thornton is hurt, so he's out of it right now. He doesn't affect the numbers anymore. And the curveball in all this is that the preseason star, Lil Jordan Humphrey, I think he's going to make this roster as a tight end. Bill Belichick mentioned he's got kind of tight end qualities. Humphrey said yesterday that he's been practicing with the tight ends. He's gotten some work there, and he feels comfortable doing it, and he likes doing it. 
They've already cut Dalton Keene, their former third-round draft pick, who they traded up for and bust there in the draft spot. But I think LeJordan Humphrey makes this team as a, as a tight end. So now you're left with just Christian Wilkerson and Trey Nixon. At that point, do you want to keep five or six? If you want to keep five, there's room for one of them. If you want to keep six, there's room for both, and we move on. I would keep both. Devontae Parker is off injured. Nelson Aguilar has been off injured in his career. You're already down Thornton. The last thing I want to do is cut a guy and then in week one have one of my wide receivers I kept get injured, and now I'm behind the eight ball all over again. That's how quickly it can happen in the NFL. I'd keep both Nixon and Wilkerson, have them on my active roster, only activate one of them for the game. You know, have what, in the 53, keep them both there, but only have one in active for the game. If you only want to keep five on a game day, that's fine. But I can't risk cutting a guy and then losing them, having my guy get hurt and being out. Can't risk putting him on a practice squad and having him get signed by another organization. So then when someone gets hurt, I can't backfill the roster. Take the six wide receivers and call it a day. If everybody is magically healthy when Tyquan Thornton gets back, then you can cut someone if necessary. But until that point, I don't want to let Christian Wilkerson or Trey Nixon go. Maybe Wilkerson dresses on, in week one and Nixon's, you know, is the guy who's, you know, in the street clothes on the side. But I need both these guys on my roster as far as I'm concerned. By the way, I talk about teams that kind of build up the farm system and then, you know, spend big money. That's what the Blue Jays have done too, right? Vlad, Biggio, Bichette, those are pro- those are farm system guys. You go spend money on Kevin Gosman, you absorb money in Matt Chapman. This is how teams do this. I think the Red Sox are doing the same thing as well. Ross Stripling goes for Toronto. Josh Winkowski for the Red Sox. George Springer leads off at DH. Vlad Jr. is at first. Florida Scoriel Jr. is in left. Alejandro Kirk is the catcher. Teoscar Hernandez is in right. Bo Bichette is at shortstop. Matt Chapman is at third. Kevin Biggio is at second. Jackie Bradley Jr. is the center fielder. Tommy Pham leads off for the Sox. Alex Verdugo in right. Bogarts at shortstop. Rafi Devers at third. J.D. Martinez, the D.H. Christian Arroyo at second. Kika Hernandez in center. Franchi Cordero at first. Kevin Ploiecki is the catcher. Roster news and notes for the Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi's to the injured list. Trevor Story's going to start a rehab assignment tomorrow. And uh, Eric Hosmer is on the injured list as well. Red Sox said they did not think about bringing up one of their top prospects, Tristan Cassis. So that is why you get Franchi Cordero playing at first today. The Blue Jays come into this one at 65 and 55, 10 games over 500, again tied with the Mariners for the second wild card spot in the American League. Red Sox 60 and 62, two games under and six back. Buster Olney is going to stop by tomorrow. Usually he's with us on a on a Thursday. He'll be with us tomorrow. Tell us his takeaways from the Little League Classic this past weekend. Go Sox. We'll see you tomorrow.